Now today we turn to Genesis chapter 1, and I was hoping to focus on 26, 27, 28. Genesis 1, verse 26, 27, 28. You know, dignitaries with a task, right? God's people are dignitaries with a task in this world. But thought maybe it's better to have an overview first of Genesis 1, up to 2, verse 3. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll look at... Uh, Man, the awesome, uh, beautiful task that God has given to his royal sons and daughters, reclaimed in Christ. But um, Genesis 1, Utput, Ik, Genesis 1, and I uh, love those first, first three words. In the beginning, God, first four words. But uh, Genesis 1, we'll read the whole chapter, and then up to 2, verse 3. Hear God's word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Verse 6. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the heavens, or in the midst of the waters, and let divide the waters from the waters. Then God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the herb bring forth grass and herb that yields seed and fruit trees that yield seed according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So the morning, sorry, the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 14. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament and in the, of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Verse 20, Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abound according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, 
cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth, and all, all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So our outline really is from Romans 11 verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever. Amen. So beloved in Christ, I recall being on a subway platform a number of years ago. And I was happy to be there, that I could find the subway. But you know what? I started at the wrong spot. I thought, it seemed to me I was going the right way, but I was going in the wrong direction. And I was traveling and traveling and whistling and singing along. And, and guess where I ended up? At the very end of the line. And I ended up in a completely wrong place. And it was dark. It was rainy. It was miserable. And how to get back to the beginning spot again. I didn't know how. And you know, your starting point, isn't it? Is of crucial importance. It's so important if you want to end up at the right place. If you want to end up at the right place, you have to begin in the right place. You ever consider the same is true for religion in terms of our response to God. That's what religion is, right? Religion is a response to God and to his revelation. And the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, that's in Proverbs, but its end is the way of death. It just seems so right but its end is the way of death. I recall studying some years ago about the Jim Jones cult in the late 70s and how they traveled to Guyana and 909 members of the People's Temple died from mass suicide. So this is a minister who was formerly a Presbyterian minister. He, he diverted he went into a, he started from a wrong starting point and it led to mass suicide drinking cyanide and this happened under the direction of their pastor and cult leader Jim Jones why do you think it ended in this tragedy think of our nation today Canada it's in a crisis as a matter of fact there's a polarization now between the government, and the people. 
And what's happening? Well, people are rising up because they sense we're drifting quickly into tyranny. And there's a fight for the freedoms. But what happened that it came to this point? We've left God. We've turned away from our Creator. We've turned away from the Scriptures. We've turned away from Him as our starting point. And the result is, and only remains to be seen how things will unfold. Will Canada become now a tyranny, an authoritarian dictatorship? The Lord knows. But the point is, if their starting point is man, in this case the state, if the state becomes God, you know what? It's man's word. It's the state's word. And what they want to do, and what man wants to do, if that's the way it goes, it's going to end up wrong. If we're to have a right starting point in our lives, in our families, we must begin where the Bible begins. And where does the Bible begin? In the beginning, God. The most important words in all of Scripture. It sets the foundation for John 3.16 and for the Gospel. In the beginning, God. God's existence is not debated. It's not debated. God doesn't try to prove himself that he exists. It's not on the table for discussion. Does he exist? Does he not exist? He shows himself and who he is in Genesis chapter 1 as the all-powerful, personal, speaking God. He's the true and living God. His existence is immediately asserted. This is who he is. This is the God who is. It's immediately asserted. Asserted why? For our submission. He's the potter. We are the clay. In the beginning, God. And you read through Genesis 1, how many times is the name God mentioned? 35 times. 35 times. He's the center. He's the center of the universe. And as soon as we lose him as a center, things go bad. Things go awry. He's the center of all things, the center, right? There may not be any other substitution for this God as our starting point. Begin with him, and you know you'll be blessed when you see him as the one that directs and governs your life to the very end. There's great blessing, there's great joy, there's great freedom for that. Why is that? Why is it that he's the center? Our first point this morning comes from Genesis 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2. And that also comes from the first part of Romans eleven thirty six. All things come from him. All things are from him. That's summarized in verse 1. In the beginning, God, what? Created the heavens and the earth. He created time in the beginning. Okay, before that, there was no time. Only God was. In the beginning, time. The heavens, space, the earth, matter. And being creator means he is our owner, our king, and our ruler. 
Ruler supreme who hearest prayer. That's one of our verses in the Canadian National Anthem. And if he's our ruler and king, what does that mean? Every person in the world is accountable to him. And because of sin, we tend to want to close our ears to that. The natural man doesn't like to hear that because he knows he's in double trouble with this God who made him and a God against whom he has rebelled, a God against whom he has violated all his holy standards. We read the law of God. Everyone, right? It reveals his beautiful character and our image no longer reflects his image because of sin. So what does man try to do? Tries to push God down. Or try to push his, he tries to push God out of his life because that's one way to deal with it. One way to deal with uh, this God is to kind of put him out of your life, ignore him, and then you feel, you, you think you feel better about yourself because now man becomes God. And so today, science, you see it all over in the public school system, has proposed another starting point. Not all things come from God. All things come from a poof, big bang. No mention of God. Keep God out of the picture. And now man sets himself up as God. And you know, man thinks he found liberty. He can do what he wants. You can do anything you want. No accountability to anyone. Uh, you can redefine marriage. You can redefine gender. How many genders today? We're being told by science there's 58 genders. I don't know them all. I only know two because the Bible says there's two, male and female. So man has decided, what, 58 genders? And man, he sets the terms for when a person can live, when a person should die. Right? So man is free in that regard, he thinks. But what happens? What's the answer? Is this the answer? Look where it ends. A mother, a mother and three children shot and killed by a father and a husband who later turns a gun to himself and kills himself. Freedom? Look where it ends. When man is the beginning point, you can do what you want. You think you're in charge, but look at the sadness. Misery and death is its end. And what God wants to show us here, even as those who have been reclaimed in Christ, and the world that is not yet reclaimed to Christ. There is good news. You know, talk about the good news. It doesn't begin in the gospel. The good news begins in Genesis chapter 1. All things comes from him. This means that all things comes from the heart of God. It's, his, it's God spilling out his heart. So why did he create all things? Why did he create this world? And why did he create all things? Well, some people say God was under the gun. He, he was forced to create. Well, if he was forced to create, would he be God anymore? That means there's some sort of external, something external, something outside of God that's more powerful than him. Right? But creation is not, etern creation is not eternal. 
God was not forced to create. Creation is not a necessary evil against his will. It doesn't say that here. Oh, I know why God created. It's because God was lonely. Is that why? God is lonely and he felt like he needed some company. Well, wait a minute. He's been there from all eternity in joyous fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He isn't lonely. He is self-sufficient. And even so, the Bible says, it's not as though God needed anything. To say that he's lonely, what does that imply? It would imply that he's, he's, uh, it would imply that he's lonely. No, he's not lonely. What's the reason why God created? Why did God create? Why did God create all things, including you? Because he chose to. He didn't have to. It wasn't that God was lonely. He chose to. He wanted to. He chose to create. You see here how the doctrine or the teaching of creation is the foundation for election. Okay, God choosing a people for himself in Christ. Oh, there's such good news here. It begins with God choosing. Choosing to create. And this is the foundation for the rest of Scripture for a church. The Bible says, by his will, they exist and were created. Revelation 4, verse 11. That's God's starting point. What did God choose to do? God chose to go public. You know, you think about what? What's the primary purpose why God created you in all things? We can say, certainly, that we may glorify him. But there's a greater purpose before that. And so that God could glorify himself. That's the first purpose. The sec that's a secondary purpose, that we might glorify him. It's an important purpose. But even before that, is that God would publicize his glory. He would manifest his glory in all creation. He wants to show his glory in what he's created. His power, his wisdom, his order, his majesty, all displayed in the universe. The Bible says it this way. We can see the invisible things of God in creation, even his everlasting power and divinity, sufficient to excuse us, to convince us God is, and therefore to leave all people without excuse. No one has an excuse for not believing this God, the true and living God, the God of the Bible. No one has an excuse. Everyone is without an excuse for not believing in him. Think of a little baby inside the womb of a mother, right? It's not just a piece of flesh. Well, if man starts at his own starting point, well, it's just a blob, you cut it out and get rid of it. No, 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 no. The creator, even in the womb, is working in the dark places of the womb, forming, fashioning a little child, a little baby in his image. Think of all the toes, the fingers, the nails. Your creator at work. Personal. Powerful. The God who creates. You know, God here in this passage, in verses 3 through 31, he says, I'm ready to publicize my glory. Here it goes. I'm ready to sh show my glory. And you'll notice the first three days, what is God's work? God's work 
he creates what is what is without form and empty in verse 2. What does he do? He first of all does his work of dividing. That stays 1, 2, and 3. His work of dividing the light from the darkness, the waters from the waters, the land from the seas. And then he beautifies it. Don't we like beautifying our house? Putting ornaments and maybe pictures. But God beautifies the earth. He fills the earth so that it becomes a temple of his glory, a theater of his glory. Question is how? How did God create the heavens and the earth and all things? When we create something, what do we need? We need some sort of materials ahead of time. If we're going to create a house or build a house, we need wood and nails and a hammer and a saw. If we make a pie, we need flour, sugar, and margarine. What did God need to use? What did God have to use? His word. He simply spoke. That leads us to the second point. All things come through him. Verses 3 through 31. His word. He simply spoke. How many times do you read that in this chapter? And God said. And God said. And God said. And it was done. And it was done. He spoke by his powerful word. By the word of his mouth. He created out of what? He created out of nothing. That word, create, in verse 1, specifically means creating something, not out of, not out of pre-existing materials, but something out of nothing, just simply speaking. Something that was never there before, and God speaking it into existence. God speaking and working for six days. And you'll notice... This earth is not millions of years old. Man that, who proposes his own starting point wants to talk about how old the earth is and how it has a starting point in terms of a big bang. But it's very clear in Genesis. If you look at the history of scriptures, a few thousand years old, six, seven thousand years old, and you notice that each day is governed by evening, morning, evening, morning, 24 hours. Not 1,000 days per day. No 24-hour days. And you see God's work of forming days one, two, and three. Day one. You see it here, the foundation for the gospel too. He calls light into existence and divides the light from the darkness. Second day, he calls the expanse or the sky into existence to divide the waters into the waters above. That's the clouds and the atmosphere above and the waters beneath. And then third day, he separates the waters under the sky, gathers them together into one place, called seas, and calls into existence dry land. You know, this whole aspect of science naming and ruling, you see it already reflected in God. God is the king. He's the one who names. He names the light light. He names the sky clouds. He names the land earth, the water sea. God is involved in naming. This is an aspect of his rulership. And then you see in the next three, four days, three through six, God filling this empty space. He starts decorating. He starts filling the earth. Day three, he causes the earth to bring forth grass, herbs, and trees according to its kind. Why is science able to classify today? They're only able to classify because 
God has already set in place. As scientists, even unbelieving scientists, scientists who don't believe in God, even as they're doing their science, what are they doing? They're sitting on God's lap, so to speak, in order to carry out their science. Even as they deny him, they're confessing him. Because God already prearranged things as it is. Only on the basis of God creating according to its kind can scientists arrange and order and do their work of classification. Think of day four. God calling into existence lights to govern the day and the night with the sun, moon, and stars. What's that the beginning of? Our calendar? Our work week? The clock? You know, at the time of the French Revolution, um, and this is what happened, apparently um, they wanted to go against God and got against God's way of doing things. And so there was a movement to start a 10-day work week. 10-day work week. So get rid of the seven days, so that way you get rid of God and God's structure. So you know what? Let's try a 10-day work week. And it fell within three, four weeks. It, it just never took off, because that's not the way God created things. Day five, he calls into existence sea creatures and every winged bird, again, according to its kind. Okay, so a blue jay did not evolve into a cardinal, nor did a, a robin evolve into a cow. Okay, each one according to its kind. And day six, God creates the animals filling the land according to its kind. But here is the real climax. God, in choosing to create, he chose to have fellowship. He, chose, he created man so that man could have fellowship with him. That's really the climax of our creation. God chose to create us so that we could live in fellowship with him, talk with him, walk with him, live in partnership with him, and rule in his name. That's what 26, 27, 28, hope to have a little bit narrower look on it next week. But he's the God. Man is like God in that he is also ruler. Call to serve God, God who is the ultimate king, the ultimate ruler, but serving God in the creation in his name for his glory and honor. For he spoke, says the scriptures, and it was done. He commanded it. And it stood fast through him. All things come through him by his powerful word. Powerful word, but also personal word, isn't it? Because you see here the fact that all things were also created through his son. Who's the word? All things were created by his word. Who's the word? We go to John chapter 1, and the word is the Lord Jesus Christ. The word is his son. He spoke all things into existence through his son. You already see the revelation of the Trinity, you could say, in Genesis chapter 1. The son at work in creation. God has good news. Good news for us in Genesis here. Oh yes, man wants to push God out of his life because he knows that he has rebelled against him. If God is just powerful, who can stand before him with a guilty conscience? A guilty record? A God who 
punishes sinners. But God has given us this word to show us there's hope. Creation is the reason for hope. Because notice, the one who called light out of darkness, what is he able to do? He's able to bring, create light into our dark souls, our dark and sinful hearts. By what? By his powerful word. Isn't that what he uses today? He uses his word, the same word that called all things to existence, is the same word today the Holy Spirit uses to create light, to create life in dead people, spiritually dead people, and to create life in the midst of darkness. This God is the one who does that. He can make us into new creatures. And he, but he says, you know what? You want to become a new creature? Go back to basics. Come back to me. Return to me. Through Jesus. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in him. Bend the knee to me. By submitting to Jesus Christ. Begin again with me. Start with me. And you'll end up with me. He's the one who sent his son in his love, in his mercy, to sacrifice himself on the cross for your sins. Begin again. Begin again with God. Oh, nation of Canada, it's time to go back. It's time to return to God. It's time to go back to the ruler supreme through Jesus Christ. You want freedom? The truest freedom comes through faith in Jesus Christ and all the other freedoms that flow up from that. Listen to what the Bible says. Even uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, shows a connection between what God does in creation and what God does in making us new creatures. It's the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Creation, recreation. Light, light, life, life. He made life, he can remake life. Wow, if the word is powerful enough to create, is powerful enough to renew us, to remake us, to reform us into new creatures by believing in Jesus. You see here, eh? The doctrine of creation is not only the foundation for election, but it's also the foundation for Recreation, regeneration, for salvation. This God is this powerful. He really, truly cares. You know, not only is creation a reason for hope, but we can rest in God's sovereign care each and every day in our lives, each and every moment. I don't have to worry about living on, in a high-rise on the 13th floor. Who's scared to live on the 13th floor of a high-rise? Nonsense. Floor 414 is really 413 anyway. Okay? Superstition. I, I don't have to worry about it. I can trash my horoscopes. I can trash all college I do. With God as my starting point, he cares for me. My life, every moment, is in his hands. I don't need to bow before a cross. I don't need to hold on to some religious thing. I don't need to put a Bible under my pillow. 
I have God. I can rest in him. Trust in Christ. Because not only do all things come from him or through him, but also all things continue to exist through him. You know, if God didn't continue to uphold all things that he created, what would happen if God didn't continue to uphold it? It would just slip back into nothingness. Can you imagine that? What that would be like if God let go, no longer upheld. Everything would just go back into nothingness. There would be no earth, no trees, no people. This is proof, right? God continues to uphold all things. From the very beginning of creation. What do we see in verse 2? We don't only see the Son, but also the Holy Spirit, right? Sustaining, upholding what God had already formed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Involved in creating, but also involved in recreating. Wow. If he is able to sustain all creation, don't you think he can sustain you and keep you in the faith? All his people, he will continue to keep in the faith to the very end. That's the faithfulness of God. So much good news. So much good news in Genesis chapter 1. I can be poor or I can be rich. I can be healthy. I can be sick. For every breath of air, for all these things, I'm I'm dependent on God. God still loves me the same in sickness or in health, in poverty or riches. I can depend on him. Boy, isn't that freedom? Isn't that liberating to know him? Genesis 1 shows that all things come from him and through him. And finally, all things belong to him. All things are to him. God goes public with his glory and now he says, you know, I want you to fellowship with me, he says to mankind, and I want you to honor and glorify me and enjoy me. Sometimes we have a hard time doing that, don't we? Sin stands in the way, but in Christ, those things begin again. We can enjoy God, enjoy our relationship with him. Notice that almost every creation day, God sits back, so to speak. He looks at what he made. He evaluates. And what does he think about what he created? Oh, it's not good enough. Is that what he said? Oh, it's half-baked. I better do it all over again. Is that what God does? We do that. We make something and we trash it and we start over again. But not God. Notice his evaluation of his work. Almost every creation day, what does he say? It was good. It was good. It was good. And then you come to the end of Genesis 1, and it was very good. When he created men and women, it was very good. What he creates is good. Think back to what Genesis 1 says. In that time, when God created us, there was no evil, no sin, no misery, no sickness, no death, no hardship. When did that come? That came when we wanted independence from God. When we wanted to throw off his rule. 
We want him to cast aside his authority. And that always, always comes to a terrible end. No, we need to start with God. The creation God made was good. He delighted in it. He took pleasure in what he made. We do too, right, when we make something good? As a matter of fact, he wants us to share in his delight. Look at Genesis 2, 1, 2, and 3. What did God do when he finished creating? He rested on the seventh day from his creating work. Doesn't mean he went to sleep. But rested means he finished his work of creating. He created for six days. And now he, what does he do in his rest? He simply delights in what he has done. He delights in himself. He delights, he just enjoys it. He delights in himself. He delights in his work and takes great joy in it. Don't you? This is our God. (laughs) We're we're created in his image. This God is personal. All things were created for him. You know, we were not created to exist for our own pleasure. Were we? We weren't created to do what we want. We weren't created to do things in our own way to be our own boss. We weren't created so that we could find our ultimate pleasure in the things that God created. That's idolatry. That's a wrong starting point. No, all creation, all that he has given you is to bring you to the worship of the true God. That's the seventh day. You know what? The way we spend the Sunday shows whether we are for God or against God. It's that clear. you notice that. When does a culture change? A culture changes, of course, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what's one of the first evidences of a revival, of a reformation in culture? Right? Through faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord's day is set aside. It's set aside as the day unto the Lord because... That's why we're here on earth. And when we set aside the Lord's day for him, all the other days of work are also set aside for him. God loves the praises of his people. He delights in his day that we delight in him. Oh, we see the ugly consequences today of a nation, Canada, which has rejected God and his rule. And today, we live in a nation where there's a great crisis. Tyranny. Tyranny is setting in. And the way back to true freedom, the way back to true blessing, there's only one way, and that's the repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. Really? It means going back to basics. It goes back, goes back to the beginning. It goes back to God. It means surrendering ourselves to him through faith in Christ. This is the only way where we'll enjoy the blessings of a civilization, the freedoms in a civilization. Apart from that, no. Let's start with God. It's a call not only to the church to begin with God again, 
to set aside his day, to take delight and pleasure in him. But it's a call to the nation, the nation of Canada. The scriptures say, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. If God is the Lord and the nation is blessed, what if God is not the Lord for a nation? What is it then? It's a curse. It's that clear. It's that simple. And therefore, we have a responsibility, not only for ourselves, but to call the nation back to its roots. What are our roots? Really, the roots of the world is back to Genesis 1, back to God, back to the Bible, back to the beginning. Wow, he made you for this purpose, to enjoy him, to find pleasure in him, to be blessed in him, to find your joy in him, to find your freedom in him. And you know what? He will bless you all your days and he will bring you to the right end, a new creation, a day of fellowship where there's no more sin, no more crying, no more pain, fullness of fellowship in the face of Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Let's go tell. Tell our friends, tell our neighbors, tell our MPs, Tell our MPPs, tell our Prime Minister, tell our Premier, it's time, it's time to go back to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.